0: Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. Those of you joining us online, thank you for being with us. If this is your first time at Dream City, just to introduce myself, my name is Pastor John. Me and my wife, Angel, have the honor of serving here as lead pastors, and uh, and like like it's been said numerous times today, we want to help you discover Christ, recover your identity, and uncover your purpose. Okay, but why? Because Jesus said in John chapter ten that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that His purpose was to give us life and life more abundantly. And we believe that that is what unlocks that abundant life. And so we believe we exist to help all people from all places walk in the freedom and fullness found. In abundant life in Christ. And so, whatever that next step for you is on your spiritual journey, we just want to help you take that step. And so, if it's serving, if it's volunteering, if it's being a part of the ministry here, anything that we can do to help you, there's a, a connect card on the seat in front of you. Would encourage you just take that, check whatever that next step for you is. Maybe it's baptism. I don't know, just just take it, and then after service, you can drop that in the buckets on your way out, and one of our team members will get in contact with you and and let you know how to take that step. Uh, If you haven't downloaded the Dream City Omaha app, what are you waiting for? Everything is on there, everything that you need to stay connected, to get connected. At the the bottom, there's an events tab. On the events tab, that will give you uh, access to everything that's coming up. Uh, in the, the short term here, and, and want to really highlight the discipleship classes that are starting this week, this Wednesday. Our next Wednesday, excuse me, this Wednesday is the night of worship. So next Wednesday, March 9th, thank you, Angel. Uh, you can tell who really runs the church around here. But uh, next Wednesday, March 9th, we have Unveiled, if you've never been through Unveiled. You need to go through unveiled if you 've been through it before would encourage you go through it again because there are, are always new layers and new levels of freedom in Christ that we get to experience and walk in and then for those of you with families want to encourage you in the family ID class it 's something that that we as a family have been going through my my parents have been leading us through, and so Uh, once a month, we get on a family Zoom call, myself, my sister, my brother, and and his wife in South Dakota. And really, it's just about defining our values as a family and really defining what we want to pass on to the next generation. And so we've gone through this process of of laying out those family values and and writing a mission statement as a family so that we know that generations from now, when when it's not just me and my kids, but my grandkids and their kids, that the Weasel family will will know what they're about and and know why they're here and what they're pursuing in Christ and through Christ. And so want to encourage you in that. Uh, I think it was Andy Stanley that that once said that everyone Uh, Arrive somewhere, but few people arrive somewhere on purpose. And the same could be said of our families. Every family ends up somewhere, but how many families are truly ending up somewhere on purpose and with intentionality? And so those classes start not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Come on out this Wednesday for the night of worship and then plan on, on being a part of that. The registration for those classes is in the app, which is why I told you to download that. You can also go to the website and do it that way as well. Today we're going to get into the word. How many of you are excited about studying God's word today? Awesome. I love I love a church that's excited about God's word. If you're just joining us, we've been reading through the Bible chronologically this year. We started in Genesis, the beginning of the year, we read through Genesis, we read through Job, we read through Exodus. Last week, we, we, we talked about the book of Leviticus. In one week, I was able to, to through the, the grace of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, preach from Leviticus 1 to Leviticus 27. And some of you walked away just like, looked like you had just rid in a, in a convertible and your hair was blown back. And it's like, I don't know what just happened. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, would encourage you to go back and, and watch that message. Because again, as we take communion today, we we take it as New Testament believers where Jesus says this, this cup is the, the cup of the new covenant. And so we understand that we get to walk in New Covenant. We understand that as we read the New Testament, Jesus didn't come to to get rid of the law, but instead to fulfill the law. But if we don't understand the law, we don't understand what Jesus fulfilled. And so that's kind of what we talked about last week. And, and to, today we're going to be talking about the book of Numbers. We're entering into the book of Numbers. And growing up, I remember in in church, there used to be this, this time Carved out in the service for testimonies. How many of you guys remember testimony time? Where somebody would have a microphone, and it's like if anybody wants to share what God is doing, come on down. And you know, the 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 preacher, the pastor, if he knew what he was doing, he would hold on to the microphone. <laughs> if he didn't know what he was doing, he would hand the microphone off, and then that person would end up talking for like 30 minutes and then service was over. Um <laughs> But last week, for those of you that were here, remember I gave you a very, a very easy uh, icebreaker if there was somebody that you were interested in. So I just want to open up testimony time. If anybody used my pickup line that I gave you last week, remember I told you we're starting the book of Numbers and what was, what was the line? Hey, my church is starting to read the book of Numbers and I realize I don't have yours. Did Anybody use that this week? Did you use it this week? All right, let's go. Talk to me afterwards. Listen, if you want to testify in this moment what God did through that, you can. But talk to me afterwards. I'm, I'm, I'm interested and intrigued to hear how that went. We're talking. We're talking about the book of Numbers. And while Leviticus, we're, we're not given necessarily a time frame of, of when Leviticus happened. We understand that they're. You know, they've left Egypt, they, they are encamped at the base of Mount Sinai. God has met with Moses on the mountain, given them the Ten Commandments, the instructions for the tabernacle. He comes down, finds them worshiping the calf. We 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 read through that story. Um, Leviticus comes and and God is giving them the, the law, the 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 ceremonial law, the sacrificial ordinances and rituals that they are to to follow. The book of Numbers is a little bit different. It kind of picks up right where Exodus has left off. They're still at Mount Sinai. Uh, but the book of Numbers takes place over like 38 to 39 years. It's a, it's a large time frame that is covered in this book, and it's really they're wandering around through the wilderness, trying to get from Mount Sinai into the promised land where God is is leading them. It's called the book of Numbers because in in English, in our Bible, it's called the book of Numbers because it starts with a census and it ends with a census. And in between, there's these 38, 39 years of trials and and things that that we'll see as we continue to read along but i like the the hebrew title for this book better than the english title because in the ancient hebrew they titled this book not the book of numbers it wasn't the book of numbers to them it, the the name for this book was in the wilderness that was the the hebrew name for this book in the wilderness and i think that better describes what takes place in the book of Numbers over this period of time. Today, I kind of I want us to, to end up at Numbers chapter 9, um, but, but we're going to kind of mosey our way into that. I'm going to kind of act as a tour guide, if you will, this morning, just kind of getting to that point. I'll probably point out some things along the way. If you've ever been on a tour with a tour guide, you know, you're driving down the road, like on the right, you'll see this. And then a couple blocks later, on the left, if you look out your window, you'll see this. And so as we start reading the book of Numbers, again, in Numbers chapter 1, we see that, that God tells Moses to take a census. And we see these names that we can't pr- pronounce. We see, we see families and groupings and clans that we know absolutely nothing about. I was talking to somebody before service this morning. They said, Numbers is my favorite because I love all of the names. It's like, you can't even pronounce the names. But there is something in these individuals being named, historically, yes, but I think even more than that, it shows us that every individual mattered and still matters to God. Count every single one of them, every, every fighting aged male. Now, why just fighting aged men? Because they were getting ready to go into a place where they needed fighting aged men. They needed warriors, they needed soldiers. God knew there is something that you will face moving forward that you need to be ready for. And so we see the census and we see that, that everyone mattered to God, but, but also in the, the Bible reading plan over the last week on the, on the app, Corey Jordan had made uh, a comment. And for her, the, the revelation that she got from, from reading Numbers chapter 1 was going back to even the book of Genesis and the promise that God made Abraham. Because God, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. He he took him outside of his tent at night, and he says, look up at the stars. Can you count the stars? No, I can't count the stars. And he says, so shall your descendants be. And as a result of this census, we see that there are over 600,000 men of, of fighting age. That doesn't include women and children. So realistically, it's probably more like a million to a million and a half people camped at the base of this mountain, and for her, it went back to Genesis and was a picture of the faithfulness of God in fulfilling his covenant promise to Abraham. So we see that in Numbers chapter one. And in, in Numbers chapter two, God gives them instructions on how to camp and which tribes are to camp where. And again, if you, if you just read this to get through it, you'll get through it. But if you read this with intentionality and ask God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? What was the, the motive in this? You see that there were three camps Three three tribes camped on the west, three on the east, three on the north, three on the south. And then right in the middle of the camp was what? The tabernacle. God's presence was right in the middle of the camp. And the question for us is, is God at the center of everything that we do? Is God at the center? As I set up the camp of my life and as I, I lay out the things that are important to me, is God at the middle of it all, or do we put God outside the camp somewhere? Numbers chapter 2, we see these instructions that were given. In Numbers chapter 4, we see instructions for the Levites. Each man is given a task, and he didn't get to, to ask for a task either. Like, he didn't get to volunteer for a certain job. Like, it wasn't like somebody from, from this clan within the tribe of Levites could say, Well, I would really like to carry that. The altar is a little bit heavy. I don't know if I want to carry the brazen altar. Can I carry the pillows that are in the tabernacle instead? You know that friend that you always go and you, you, you help them move and you're bringing down the boxes of books and they're carrying blankets and pillows and it's like, dude, like Really? They didn't get to volunteer for certain jobs. It says that they were assigned the task and each man had a task. What does that tell us? That each and every one of us has a purpose and a calling and a task that God has assigned and ordained for us to fulfill in this day and age. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about the body of Christ as a body as a a physical body. He says the the eye can't say to the hand that I don't need you and the head can't say to the foot that I don't need you, but every part of the body is important. And when you see the instructions given out in Numbers chapter four, you see that each and every one of them was important. There was none more important than the other, even within the the, the tribe of Levi, because the Levites were the ones that were set aside and and consecrated to serve the Lord and to, to serve the tabernacle. There were some that their their job as a Levite was simply to carry the curtains of the tabernacle. There were some who their job was to carry the bases and to carry the poles. And depending on, on who they descended from, that determined what aspect of the tabernacle they were assigned to. But then you see Aaron and his sons and his descendants serving as the priest. And so not every priest or not every Levite was a priest, but every priest was a Levite. But the ones who were carrying the tabernacle from camp to camp never complained and said, well, I want to, I want to kill a goat. (laughs) I want to offer sacrifice. Why can't I be the high priest? There was none of that complaining and there was none of that bickering and there was none of that grumbling. Why? Because they recognize that the mission and the task that God has assigned me, he's assigned it to me and me alone. And I haven't been assigned that task. That's not my job and that's not my calling. Are we okay with our callings? Are we okay with the tasks that God has given us? Or do we look around and it's like, well, I want to do that instead. I would rather do that. Why, why do they get to do that and I don't? And we see that in Numbers chapter 4. Each one resp- was responsible for something. And the other thing is their, their calling had a weight to it. Yeah. Like all of, the, all of the equipment, all the building materials, all the supplies, but then you get into to the sacred things, the brazen altar. It was like seven and a half feet by seven and a half feet and was was made of wood and cast in bronze. Can you imagine being one of the guys that had to carry that. The two what was interesting to me is the two the two clans that were responsible for like the the bases and the poles and the clan that was responsible for the curtains, they were given oxen and carts to help them transport. Like they were given U-hauls. Like just throw it in the cart and we'll just we'll just take it with us. But the 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 clan that was assigned to the sacred things, God says, no, you you have to carry that. You have to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You have to carry the altar of incense. You have to carry the lampstand. You have to carry all of these heavy gold objects they had to carry through the wilderness, through the desert, on their shoulders. Your calling has a weight to it. The question is, are you willing to carry it? Do you experience that? It's like, God, this is too heavy. God, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for this. You're ready. If you weren't, God wouldn't have called you to it. Chapter 5, we find an interesting passage of scripture. It's kind of a weird text, and it's easy for us with our Western mindsets to get caught up in that text. We see, we see the story or, or the, the practice and, and the instructions if, if a husband accused his wife of unfaithfulness. I mean, you guys remember reading through that story and what was, what was instructed was that the, the husband would bring his, his wife, who he had suspected of being unfaithful. There was no physical proof. She wasn't caught in the act, but he just had this, this suspicion of her. He would bring her to the tabernacle. The priest would take this jar of water. He would take dirt from the tabernacle floor. He would place it in this jar of water. He would give it to this woman to drink. And if she drank it and her belly swelled, then she was guilty. If not, then she was innocent. And, and it's easy for us to read that and say, well, why would God treat women that way? Like, why would, why would God make women go through that? And I think it's, it's easy for us to have that perspective with, with a culture of, and, and understand I'm not against women empowerment because we empower women here. My, my wife preaches, Melissa gets up on stage, like Renee is our worship pastor. So it's not about pushing women to the side, but but the culture that we, we live in would like us to read this and say, well, if that's the heart of God, then I don't want to serve that God. And it would be easy to, to read it with that mindset and that mentality. But when you understand and you read it from an ancient perspective, then you really begin to see the goodness and the faithfulness and the backwardsness, if I can even say that, of God. Because really what this is, is it's a trial by ordeal. How many of you ever heard of trial by ordeal? It was an ancient practice where they would, they would cause this person who has been accused of, of a crime, of an act, they would cause this person to go through this ordeal. And then depending on the outcome of that ordeal, it would determine if they were guilty or if they were innocent. Typically, they were either trial by fire or trial by water. what would happen is this person would be accused of this crime and they would come before the court and the court would say, okay, well, here's here's how we're going to determine your guilt or your innocence. There is a hot iron in this fire. You are to to grab this iron with your bare hand out of the fire and carry it for 30 feet. And if at the end of the 30 feet, your hand is not burned, then you're innocent. If you carry this hot iron and at the end, your hand is burned, then you're guilty and we're going to put you to death or whatever the punishment for whatever the crime was or it was trial by water. As I was researching, I found one that was actually, they would, they would have this pot of boiling water, and they would throw an individual into this pot of boiling water. And if you survived this process, congratulations, you're innocent. If you died, well, they were guilty anyway. Now, how do you know, when, when you drop a, a, human, a human being into a pot of boiling water, they're going to die. And the idea behind trial by ordeal was whatever God you worshipped, if you were innocent, whatever God you worshipped would act on your behalf miraculously to see you through this trial, then it would be revealed by God that you were innocent. And yet when we read Numbers chapter 5 with an ancient understanding and an ancient perspective, how they would have understood it in in relation to what the other cultures around them were doing— God is saying, yes, trial by ordeal, but here's the difference. In every other culture, in every other nation, their trial by ordeal is guilty until proven innocent. While yes, I want to bring sin out, and I want to highlight sin, and I want to remove sin from the camp, God's heart is also to protect the innocents. And so he says, you're not guilty until I act on your behalf to prove you innocent, but you're innocent until I act on behalf of revealing your sin.'" Because if the women drank the water, how do you know if you, if you take a glass of water and you throw a little dirt in it and you drink it, like it might taste bad, but it's not going to do anything harmful to your body. Like that in and of itself is not biologically harmful to us, unless God acts and causes this this response within your body. And so so it was innocent until proven guilty, rather than guilty until proven innocent. So for them hearing that, it's like wait, but that's backwards. Like, no, there needs to be this miraculous thing to prove innocence. And God says, no, I've already proven them innocent until I prove otherwise. And so we see it with a, a different context and a different lens. It's an interesting, and I wanted to, to make sure that I covered that because there were a lot of questions on that particular passage of scripture. Um, but today I want us to, to get to Numbers chapter 9. And Numbers chapter 9, beginning in verse 15 is where we're going to read it. will be on the the screens for you. You can follow along. Or if you have your Bibles, let me hear those pages turn. Two Bibles, awesome. Numbers chapter nine, (laughs) beginning in verse 15, here's what the Bible says. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the, Lord, or sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days, and at the Lord's command, they would encamp. And then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, it's really wanting to hammer down this point. The Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Now, what happened when the cloud moved? They moved. What happened when the cloud stopped? What if it was only a day? What if it was a week? What if it was a month? What if it was a year? And then as soon as the cloud moved, what did they do? Okay, good. Now we understand the context and what's being said in the scripture. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray today that you would you would illuminate your word to us. God, we open our hearts, see your word today. Would you do what only you can do through the power of your word? God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Challenge us, strengthen us, encourage us, we pray in your name. Everybody said amen. 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 In Numbers chapter 9, we we see this this passage that very clearly communicates, and clear enough that we are all able to now regurgitate back what is being said, communicates very clearly their, their movement from camp to camp. There was this process of waiting on God and following God, and when God moved, they moved, and when God stopped, they stopped, and In the New Testament, Paul writes, and he says, the things that happened to our ancestors in the wilderness happened for our benefit, is what he said. So that it happened for our benefit. It happened so that we can learn from them. And so as we read through the Old Testament, as we read through this 40-year this time period of, of the Israelites in the wilderness, we have to understand, no, I may not be born an Israelite, but through the blood of Jesus, the New Testament teaches that I've been grafted into the family of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. And so ancestrally, maybe not by my blood, but ancestrally through the body of Christ, the things that they went through happened for our benefit and for us to learn from. So the question is, what do we learn from this? What do we learn through this this process of moving and camping and stopping and staying and waiting and looking and seeing and following? And today I want us to, to, to look at, I want to point out three things in the scripture. That if we're going to to follow God, if we're going to be in relationship with God, if we want to pursue that abundant life, if we want to live lives with intentionality and we want to pursue his presence in our lives, then we have to look at the way they followed God and ask ourselves, am I following God the same way? As we look at this, the the first thing that we see if we're going to follow God is is we have to see, because they had to see the clouds. If they didn't see the cloud, they would never know when to move. They would never know when to stop. They would never know when to go or where to go. They had to see the cloud. If you're going to follow God in your life, you have to see God. You have to be aware of God. Numbers chapter 2, again, it gives us the, the outline for how they set up the camp. And it says that the tent of meeting in the camp of the Levites will be where? In the middle of the camp. Now, I want you to think how big this cloud and how big this fire had to be. If there's 600,000 men or roughly a million to a million and a half people, do you know that that's more than the population of the Omaha metropolitan area? Omaha, Bellevue, Papillion, La Vista, Ralston, Elkhorn, even Council Bluffs, we'll include them too. The metro area included is roughly a million people. Could you imagine if all of Omaha said, we're going to go camp in western Nebraska? How big would that camp be? And how big would this pillar of fire and this cloud have to be for the entire nation to be able to see it? But they couldn't move unless they saw the cloud. They couldn't move unless they saw the fire. And even the fact that it's cloud and fire speaks to God's provision. I don't know if you've ever been in the desert, but desert heat is not like Midwest heat. When you go to the desert, if you spend any time in Phoenix or places like that, yes, it's 115 degrees out in the summer. But I promise you, if you can find some shade, it's like 20 degrees cooler in the shade. 100%. 100%. The difference is in Omaha when it's 95 degrees, shade's going to do absolutely nothing for you. I remember moving from Albuquerque to Omaha in the middle of baseball season, and we would play, we would play tournaments all over the Southwest. Never, never sweat a drop of sweat in an entire game growing up. Moved to Omaha, my first baseball game, I got done and my jersey was soaked and it was like, what is this? But in the desert, shade means something, In the cloud that covered the camp and the shade that it provided would have been refreshing to them. Or if you're in the desert, it could be 115 degrees during the day and get down to like 30 at night. We were watching Australian Survivor filmed in in the Outback in Australia. And it's funny because during the day they're all there and like they're they're in their skivvies and they have like they're sweating because it's hot in the desert in the summer. And then when they all wake up in the morning, they have blankets on and they're shivering. Why? Because at night it gets cold. The fire that would have produced heat and the cloud that would have brought shade was, was provision and refreshing to them, but they had to be able to see it. You can't follow something unless you discern it. What does it mean to discern? To to discern means to perceive by sight or other senses. That's what it means to discern. You follow what you're focusing on. In motorcycle safety class, they, they, they talk about eye fixation, target fixation. They say, when you're coming around a corner, don't look at the car coming towards you in the other lane. Because if that's what you're fixated on, you will naturally drift to what you're looking at. You have to look ahead of the corner. You have to look to where you're going. If you try and look at what you want to avoid, that's gonna be the very thing that you hit. You have to look where you want to go. Same thing in your life. Same thing in your life. You will follow what you focus on. Have you ever, you ever played that game, Follow the Leader? You ever grow up playing that game? Jase, did you ever play Follow the Leader? Or are you too young to play Follow the Leader? Who, who grew up playing follow the leader? Jordan, did you play follow the leader? Why don't you come on up here and help me then? You didn't even know what you were raising your hand for. <laughs> now, when you play follow the leader, if I'm the leader, then that means that you have to do what I do. Mm-hmm. So if I move this way, you move this way. If I turn back this way, you turn back that way. If I jump on the stage... If I jump on the stage, That's what you did. if I move like this, <laughs> we'll, we'll let that one slide. But everywhere I go, you have to go. The problem in our lives is so often we spend our time looking at other things, Have you ever felt dizzy in life? You ever feel like your life is just going in circles? You know most people live their lives like this? Just walking in circles. Walking in circles of addiction. Come on. What's your heart rate at? Let's see it. Walking in circles of addiction. Walking in circles of unforgiveness. Walking in unhealthy patterns of behavior, going from relationship to... Are you out of breath yet? Okay. Going from relationship to relationship and job to job. And we wonder why are we walking in circles? Because we're focusing on the wrong things. We focus on culture. We follow culture. We focus on our friends. We follow our friends. We focus on the, the, the news and God help you if you've been following the news. We follow all of these other things. Now, now, here's the thing. You were able to follow me because you could see what I was doing. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jewel's going to need that back tonight. You can't see.: You can't see? No. All right, well, follow me. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Uh, Oh. Why are you going that way? I don't know. She sits down. (laughs) That's perfect. Okay. Now, hold on. Hold on. Keep it on. You couldn't follow me because you couldn't see me, right? So when we lose sight, but remember, to discern means to, to... To recognize or to perceive by sight or other senses. And so if she's close enough to me, she can reach out and she can can touch me. And if she remains close enough, then she doesn't have to see me, but she can still follow me. Why? Because she's close enough to perceive me with sight or other senses. She could smell me. I don't know if... I don't know if she wants to get that close. Or she could follow like... oh. She can follow my voice. And if she heard me, she would be able to know where I'm at. Even though she can't see me, she can hear me. And because she can hear me, she can follow me. Even when one of her senses is disrupted, (laughs) she now can rely on other senses. You can go sit down now. Thank you. You can keep that. Why do, you, why do I show you that? Because it's such an accurate picture of how we live our lives. Yes. We have to see God. We have to sense God. We have to perceive God. Are you close enough to God to be able to follow even if you can't see? Can you discern his voice? Can you discern his presence? Can you discern his leading can you can you follow him in those small details of your life where it's like god I don't know what to do and he says I'm over here just follow me can you discern him when he stops that you that you stop and you and you wait they had to see you have to see stop looking at everything else around you and fix your gaze upon him what does hebrews tell us it tells us that we all have a race to run So let us throw off the sin that so easily trips us up and run with endurance the race set before us. Verse two, how do we do that? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. The only way that you can run the race that God has designed you to run is by fixing your gaze upon him. First thing that they did is they had to see the cloud. The second thing is they had to wait for the cloud. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to wait for him. Notice that they didn't get up and set out on their own. They didn't set out whenever they wanted to. It wasn't like, okay, well, we've used the resources in this area. It's time for us to move on. No, as long as the cloud stayed, they stayed. They, they waited on God. They lived their lives according to God's timing. And if I'm the one that has to break this to you, I apologize. But God's timing is not your timing. And the way that God operates is not according to your timetable. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so when God comes and he speaks something to us, we expect it to happen tomorrow. Okay, God's leading us to the promised land. Sweet, we'll be there tomorrow, 40 years later. Why are we still following this cloud? Why are we still camped at this mountain? Haven't we seen this rock before? We've been here for a year already. Remember what the text said, whether it was a day, a week, or a year, they waited. And every morning they got up. Where's the cloud? Is the cloud still there? Okay, good. Washing the dishes, where's the cloud? Is the cloud still there? Okay, good. With their friends, where's the cloud? Okay, the cloud's still there. They, they waited for God to move so that they can move. Do you wait for him that way, or do you try and make things happen according to your own timetable? Bet you Abraham wished that God operated according to his timing. I bet you Joseph wished that God operated according to his timing. Bet you David wished that God operated according to his timing. Even in the New Testament, Second Peter, Second book of Second Peter, Peter writes, and he says, listen, God's not, God's not delaying. He's not being slow as you understand slowness because the the New Testament church, they were like, okay, Jesus is coming back and well, when's he coming back? You said he was going to come back and get us. You said he was going to come back and establish his kingdom. You said he was going to come back and do all of these things. Why is he taking his time? And Peter has to write them and say, be patient. Slow down because God's timing is not our timing. Yesterday, My son had a a wrestling tournament. So I was driving to the tournament and was driving down 190th Street. And there's a coming up on the the railroad crossing. And you know how it is. Anytime you approach a railroad crossing, then the, the rails come down and the lights start to flash. And it's like, oh, really? The lights flash and the things come down and I can see the train coming. And as the train's coming, I notice the train start to slow down. And then, right as it passes the road, the train stops. I'm talking like complete stop. Train stops, and I'm sitting there like, I have a wrestling tournament to get to. Don't you know, Mr. Conductor, that I have better things to do today than to sit and wait at this train crossing? And as I'm sitting there, the train has stopped. I notice. I look in my rearview mirror, and I notice every other car starts to do this. They turn around. They said, we're not going to wait for this. This is is ridiculous. And so they turned around and had to go all the way back up to 204th. I don't know where they were going or what they were doing or what they were missing or what they were late for. I just knew that they didn't have the patience to sit there and wait. And I wish I could say the same about me. (laughs) Because you better believe, as soon as I saw them all leave, I was like, "Okay." And I turned around. And here's the thing. As soon as I turned around, I looked in my rearview mirror. You know what I saw? The train starts to move. I was like, oh, you're killing me. So I turned back around and I came back to to wait. I was waiting for five minutes, five minutes. In the course of a day, five minutes really isn't that long. If I was five minutes late, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. And I've learned that because my wife is five minutes late for everything and the world is still spinning. but I've been five minutes late, no big deal. But there's something in us that it's like, if it doesn't happen right now, I'm not waiting. And when God comes and he, he plants vision in you and dreams in you and passions and desires in you, then it's natural for our flesh to rise up and say, I want it now, like Veruca on Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. <laughs> I want it now, daddy. Like, that's what she says. Like, because that's how we all are. We are impatient. We don't want to wait. I would rather have it take longer and more time as long as I'm moving. That's what those people said. I would rather go 10 minutes out of my way that way than waiting for five minutes here. How many times in our lives do we move backwards just so that we can move? Just so we feel movement in our lives. Just so something is happening. It's not productive. I don't care if it's not productive. At least I'm not waiting. I don't care if it's not what I want to do. At least I'm not waiting. Rather than submitting ourselves to the process in humility and saying, God, you've given me this, but I'm not going to step outside of your timing. I'm not going to move until you move. I don't want to move ahead of your presence and your provision and your blessing in my life. So if you want me to stop, then I'll stop. If you want me to wait, then I'll wait. And I'm not going to try and force your hand or force the issue. But I know that when the moment is right, you will open the door. Doors for me to walk through, and then I'll walk through them, but not until then. They waited. Psalm 27, David writes and he says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You need to know that God's timing is always perfect. He's never early, He's never late, but He is always on time. So they had to see the cloud, they had to wait for the cloud, and then finally they had to follow the cloud. That's the third thing if you're taking notes today. They had to follow the cloud. Again, verse 23 in Numbers chapter 9 tells us that at the Lord's command, they camped. The Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Now, whatever you say, I'll do. Now, wherever you lead me, I'll go. When the cloud moved, they moved. Are you willing to go where God is taking you? Are you willing to trust him wholeheartedly? And say yes to Jesus. The New Testament, when Jesus chose his disciples, what did he say to them? Follow me. He found Peter. He said, hey, come follow me. He found James and he found John and he said, hey, come follow me. And what did they do? They followed. They didn't know what they were saying yes to, but they said yes. They didn't know what it was going to to come to, but they said yes. The disciples, they didn't know that that this journey they were embarking on was going to end with most of them dying tragic and brutal deaths. And yet they said yes. They left everything that they knew. They left their nets. James and John left their dad. They said yes, we will follow. Do we follow Jesus the same way? Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah writes and he says you know, God's saying, who am I going to send as a messenger? And Isaiah's response is, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am. Whatever you need, I'm your guy. Whatever you need, I'm your girl. Whatever you need, God, use me in any way that you can, in any way that you see fit. Whatever you want me to do, my answer is yes. Sometimes God comes to us with a, with a challenge or with a question, and it's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yes. Sometimes God wants to know your answer before he presents you with something though. Sometimes God just wants to know that your heart is yes. Well, it was easy for them, Pastor John. They could see it. They had the the visible manifestation of God's presence, cloud by day, fire by night. I would follow Jesus if I could see him. I I would follow Jesus into all things if I could just, there was something physical that I I could grab onto. You know what the New Testament says? New Testament says that, that we don't need a cloud and we don't need fire. Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, this is what he tells his disciples. He says, when, when he, the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, who is our guide today? It's not, it's not fire by night and it's not cloud by day, but it's It's the Holy Spirit in my life that guides me and leads me into all truth, that tells me when to stop. And sometimes I don't know why I'm stopping, but maybe it's just that God's clearing some debris on the road ahead. Sometimes I don't know why I'm going around this way. Maybe there's a trap that the enemy has set for me over here that if I had continued on the path that I thought I should go, I would stumble and I would fall and I would find myself in a situation I didn't want to be in. When I submit to his leading, when I submit to his guide in my life, I get where he wants me to go when he wants me to be there. question you need to ask yourself today is, are you willing to say yes before he even asks? Yes, God. You want me to join a small group? The answer is yes. You want me to lead a small group? The answer is yes. You want me to start serving in your house? God, the answer is yes. You want me to, to be obedient in my finances? God, the answer is yes. You want me to share your love with my friends and my family and my coworkers and my my. my the, the students in my school. God, the answer is yes. God, you want me to lay down my pride and, and sacrifice that thing on the altar of my heart. God, yes, I lay that down. You want me to pick up my cross and die to myself. God, the answer is yes. You want me to stop drinking. God, the answer is yes. You want me to invest in my marriage. God, the answer is yes. You want me to apologize to my wife. Get back to you on that one. No. God, the answer is yes. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm not going to wait for you to ask me, but God, just know that my heart and my answer is yes. The dangerous prayer, the two most dangerous prayers you could pray. God, help me be more patient. And yes. God, yes. God's like, I haven't asked you anything yet. But when you do, it's yes. God, when you tell me to step out, God, the answer is yes. You want me to start that nonprofit? Yes. You want me to serve in my community? Yes. God, I'm okay if it's not today, and I'm okay if it's not tomorrow, and I'm okay if it's not for 10 years, and I'm okay, God, if it doesn't happen until the fourth quarter of my life. But, God, the answer is yes. Not according to my time, but, God, according to your time. One last verse that I want to leave you with is is encouragement. Exodus chapter 13 is they've just been released from Egypt. Here's what the Bible says. It says that the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. No matter what season of life you're in, God's provision is there. No matter where you find yourself today, God wants to lead you and he wants to guide you. Why? Because God has plans for you. He has purpose for you. The Israelites didn't know where they were going the same way you don't know where you're going. You can have plans, you can have desires, But part of saying yes to him is saying no to those things. God, you want me to lay down my plans for my life? Yes. You want me to lay down my desires? God, Yes. I will follow you in in all your ways, verse 22. And the Lord did not remove. The Lord did not remove the cloud or fire from its place in front of the people. Sometimes we're called to step out and we're called to follow and we feel this challenge and this tug on our hearts and it's like, yeah, that sounds great. I would, I would love to be able to live life that way, just following Jesus and being close to him and hearing his voice and seeing him move in my life. I, that, that sounds fantastic. I just just don't know if I trust him to be there. I want to take that step, but I don't know that if I, if I step, if there's going to be anything to catch me. And here, the promise of God's word. Because God's character does not change. God's promises don't change. It's revealed in his word that, that he didn't leave them. The cloud never left. The fire never left. The provision never left. Even when they complained, like, God, what are we going to eat? What does God do? He sends the manna. The manna never stopped. Do you know know when the manna stopped? The very first day they crossed the Jordan River and into the promised land. The first day they crossed that river, they never saw manna again because God had led them into the fullness and the fulfillment of what he had promised them. God's provision won't stop. His presence won't stop. His leading and guiding won't stop. If you take a step, guess who's going to be there? He is. The next day you take another step, guess who's going to be there? He is. And if he calls you out on a ledge, guess who's going to be on the ledge with you? He is. The problem is we get so focused on other things. It's like, God, I... I see you and I see where you're going, but I see my friends and I see where they're going, but I'd rather follow them. God, I see where you're going, but I also see where culture is going and they're not going in the same direction. And so I'm gonna follow I'm gonna follow culture. God, I see you, but I see this job that I really want. And so I'm gonna move in that direction. If we're going to live lives walking in the fullness of what God has for us, number one, we have to see him. We have to discern, we have to perceive with sight and all of our other senses where he is and where's he, where he's leading. We have to be willing to wait for him, not trying to scoot God along like, all right, God, we've been here for a few months now. It's time for us to move. And God says, no, I'll, I'll decide when it's time to move. There's things in you that I need to remove or things that I want to place in or there's things that I'm waiting for it to clear until we can move, but don't move until I say. We have to be willing to wait. And then finally, we have to determine in our hearts that wherever he leads, we will follow. And as we do that, we find ourselves waking up one morning and we look around and it's like, man, I don't know how I got here, but God, you're so good. God, all of those random steps I took along the way, all the times I sprained my ankle and, I tripped over myself, and God, all the times that people who were walking with me walked away and left me, and all those times where I felt alone, and yet your fire was there to give me warmth, and your cloud was there to provide refreshment, God, all of those times when I felt like quitting, but I determined to continue to put one foot in front of the other, God, I've arrived at this place, and I don't know how, other than your leading, and God, I'm so grateful, so thankful. Do you think I wanted to be doing this today? No. If I had my way, you know where I would be. Well, I'm 37. I don't know if I'd still be playing for the Red Sox, but that's what I would have done. 37 is kind of old. <laughs> I don't know if I'd still be doing that, but that's what I would have. That's what I would have pursued. I remember 13 years ago, my dad having this conversation with me at a village inn in Bellevue. And he said, "John, I feel like I feel like God's telling me to plant a church in Omaha." Understand that 13 years ago, there was 12 people meeting in a garage in Trainer, Iowa, and that was his church. Like, yeah, that's a cute little small group. God wants me to start a church. You know what my response to him was? Whatever you need help with, I'll help. My response was Yes. Now I look back 13 years later and it's like, God, how did we end up here? God, you're crazy. God, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have planned it out that way. God, I probably would have even waited to transition from Pastor Dobie to us until after the pandemic was over. (laughs) God, couldn't you have let Moses lead just a little while longer? And yet you look back and God's timing is perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time and he's always there. So today, my encouragement to you is to follow him. Follow him with all of your heart. Determine now in your heart that when he asks, your answer will be yes. Pursue him every day. How do I see God? You see God right here in his word. That's why we're reading through the Bible together, so we can draw closer to him and so that we can follow him. God, I wanna see you. God, when you tell me to stop, I'll stop. Lord, when you ask me to go, my answer is going to be yes. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we can be encouraged by your word today. But even going back to Numbers chapter one and the census and the names. And the fact that every individual matters to you. In Numbers chapter four, every individual was assigned a task by you and from you and for your glory. We know that your character and your heart doesn't change and that each and every one of us matter to you. There is purpose and destiny in each and every one of us. Yeah, we want it to be said of us at the end of our lives that we fulfilled your purpose for us in our generation, as it was said of David. God, today, we determine to follow you. God, today, we submit ourselves to the waiting. We humble ourselves and we trust in you that your plans are better than our plans and your timing is better than our timing God, for those of us who are struggling with seeing you and hearing you and feeling you and and discerning, perceiving you that we might follow you, Lord, I'm grateful that your word says that if we would draw near to you, that you would draw near to us. That if we would would seek you with all of our hearts, that that's when we would find you. So God, for those that have been pursuing you half-heartedly, We've been pursuing you in our spare time. We've been pursuing you when it's convenient for us. We've been pursuing you when things go bad. God, may we seek you with all of our hearts so that we could perceive you more clearly, so that we could follow you, not just today and not just tomorrow, but every day for the rest of our lives. God, as we go this week, give us opportunities to show your goodness, your mercy, your faithfulness, your grace, your love to the world that you have called us to. And we would be a reflection of your character in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our businesses, in our lives. On our social media platforms, may we reflect your goodness. God, before we dismiss and before we close today, we just want to lift up those that are in Ukraine and the surrounding areas. God, the conflict that is going on that did not catch you by surprise. Lord, I pray peace in that region. God, I pray wisdom for our leaders and other world leaders. God, I pray for the church and for the, the believers in Ukraine. God, I pray a hedge of protection around them. God, I pray that that even as Joseph said, what you have meant for evil, God has used for good. God, that what what others would mean for evil, God, that you would take and use, that, that you would be glorified in it all and through it all. God, we love you. We thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom that we have to gather together, to study it, to worship you corporately. And as we go this week, help us to, to worship you privately, to seek you privately with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Hey, listen, March is right around the corner. Two days from now, if you want the March Bible reading plan, the ushers have it at the doors. It's also available on the app and the website. But if you want a hard copy, you can get that on your way out today. Love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great week. We're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We encourage you to explore our past sermon series and classes to help you find the abundant life in Christ. And don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell for all our latest videos.